Welcome to the Why We Write Fantasy Podcast, a podcast about all the reasons why we love to write and read fantasy, with your hosts, Oscar Sasenia and KJ Aiello. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Why We Write Fantasy Podcast. My name is Oscar Sasenia. And I am KJ Aiello, and I'm excited to be back here with you, Oscar. Today, we're talking about using fantasy to retell a story and using fantasy yes. as, a, as a mechanism for retelling. I think it would be interesting for our listeners to hear how you and I uh, use fantasy mm -hmm. to retell a story or to understand stories. Right. So what we're talking about specifically is the world building aspect of fantasy. Um And there's so much that you can do with world building in fantasy. And again, you know, going back to the last episode when we were talking about world building before, is that world building isn't necessarily, you know, like creating a map and creating a geopolitical system, yada, yada. It can be a lot more than that. It can be a lot smaller than that, a lot subtler than that. But what we're looking at here is specifically how can you build a world, whether it's big or small, to retell a story that already exists? And not necessarily, you know, an actual narrative, but sort of a concept, an idea, something in our history or something, you know, specific within ourselves. So I have a couple of examples here that I actually really gravitate towards in different aspects. So like these writers used world building to retell a story in completely different ways. And the first one is R.F. Kong, uh, Babels. So this novel is fantastic. I finished it a couple of weeks ago. And what she does with this one is she, it's set in Victorian England in Oxford, and she uses magic, a magic system that actually takes language. So there's an appropriation of language there by the, um, the, the English empire, the British empire, and embeds that into these silver magic bars. And then from that, the British empire actually profits. But what they're doing is they're profiting from colonialism and oppression and that sort of thing. So what I understood from Babel, what I learned from Babel was that colonialism, appropriation, oppression, it's not necessarily something that is quite so tangible as I've been taught before. There's also the appropriation of language, of culture, of ideas. And this is what she's trying to get at with this. So she's retelling the story of colonialism and appropriation of language and ideas using her fantasy world that she's created, which I think is super cool. It and then the next cool. one, it's so cool. It's a really, really good book. I just like, I was blown away. So, and the next one, I, I particularly love this one. It's called At the Edge of the Universe by Sean David Hutchison. And he's one of my favorite writers because of what he does with fantasy. And it's not really like, it, it could, it could be in the general fiction, but it could also be in the fantasy section. And this novel is actually about a teenage boy who his world is literally, the universe is literally shrinking. And as it gets closer and closer and closer to him, where he physically is, people start to disappear and the memories of them disappear. It's like they never existed. So as it gets shrinks and farther and farther and farther, he gets more and more desperate. Um, and it's actually a metaphor for mental illness, depression, suicide, yeah. suicidal ideation. And he never outright says those words, but it's just it, the way he wrote it, the way he created that world that is all in the character's head is so incredible. And it makes you 
it makes it a lot easier to empathize with mental illness and depression and what somebody might be going through. So that's what I love about using world building as retelling. I think there's a, there's an interesting piece in that. Like uh, I think one of the things that I really liked about fantasy as a, as a tool for retelling stories is um, how you can retell something that happened in our history, like in our past Mm -hmm. and make it, make it more accessible for other people to to understand it. And I think for me, the example there, like I'm thinking about that uh, for me, the example might be star Wars, which is something that I grew up with. Like I was a kid and I was fascinated by, by the star Wars universe at the time. It was only, there were only three Mm -hmm. movies, right? There's not the, the massive, um, yeah, <laughs> like, entertainment empire that is right now. But yeah. at the time, there were three movies. But I was fascinated by them because it. If you think about it, like, what, like I think about like all the planets that that you visit during the during Star Wars, and most mm-hmm. of them are just like they have like one climate. Like it's a it's a planet that is a mm-hmm. swamp, and that's it. And there's a planet that is a desert. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of one of the cool things about there is that if you think about like talking about the British Empire that you were talking in the in Babel, um, maybe taking it to a completely different direction, but it's maybe a little bit similar to like the how the British Empire expanded and each one of these planets, which has their own climate and their own culture, that the whole culture is the whole planet, it's the same culture. Mm-hmm. It's just one country. This is how the British Empire uh, expanded. And if you look a little further into that, like without getting into the, um, like the 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 story itself, just like thinking about the world building, as we said, like the world right. of of Star Wars, you have, uh, for example, the the Empire is structured as the the Nazi regime, like that was the yeah. idea. Like you have one person at the top, you have a few in the back. You have the, the example, the SS, like all those things, you have them there. And mm-hmm. even even the scenes that you have there, they're very, very similar to to videos that you can find about like, um, I don't know, like parades on, on, on yeah. Germany. In, like even before the war, like we're thinking about like Munich uh, earlier before the war, you have this footage of like, uh, like massive, I don't know, like demonstrations of power. And I think that was yeah. one of the things that Star Wars got, got there from there. And again, like think continue with the world building. Jedis are basically feudal Japan, right? <laughs> you have this, the system of yeah. honor, those things. So I, 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 I took that as a kid. I was like maybe six mm-hmm. years old or something like that when I was fascinated about it. So when I was actually exposed to real history, for me, it was really easy to understand. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, so this is similar to that. Okay, so these guys are the evil empire. Oh, these guys are the Jedi's. Like those type of things, and it just made it easier for me to assimilate things that at my when I was six years old, if someone started talking to me about the war, uh, World War Two, for example, or something like that, I would maybe I wouldn't be interested at all, and I, for sure I wouldn't mm-hmm. understand them. So I think that for right. me, that part of retelling is the important part. Like it actually helped me to like open my my eyes there into into that. Like it's and again, I think uh, like going back to Star Wars and the world building, Star Wars is I mean, people say some people say it's sci-fi. I'm gonna stay with that. It's fantasy because you have the forces magic. <laughs> 
and it is totally magic. Yeah. That, like for, for me, it's fantasy. I mean, sci-fi and fantasy are very, very, um, very close together, but They're cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm thinking is like in the case of, of Star Wars, like it's not about the, the future. Like you're actually, even the, the structure, the empire and all that, they're can depicting the past. They're depicting the empires, the mm-hmm. old empires from before, where you have like this yeah. massive army and you are colonizing planets in this case. Yeah. Uh, and it just made it easier. Like I think it's, it's some, one of the good things, especially for younger minds. It's really mm-hmm. it's really good to to have those type of things because you can retell this story as uh, as a movie that you would take your kids to yeah. to watch in the in the theater but you wouldn't take your kids to watch a documentary about world war ii when they're six no not right? necessarily right so <laughs> i mean most people wouldn't <laughs> I, I guess it depends on the on the, on the like if, it, if it's a so, ken, ken burns documentary you're pretty sure you won't but yeah yeah but anyway that i think that's part of the um how retelling can help other people, especially if you're writing something, you're retelling like yeah. that. Um, it, it actually, it's it's pretty good. And uh, and KJ, you were talking about like some good examples about retelling. Um, one of the the ones that I that I can think of, uh, it's for example Terry Pratchett. I love Terry Pratchett, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure like almost every fantasy reader loves Terry Pratchett because he's just hilarious. But I'm thinking, actually, I actually grabbed a list of. Uh, a few books that I that I read and I love them. Like I have like Going Postal, which is even though it's set up in the Disc world, that by default is a, it's a world that is flat, so by default is fantasy. Like it yeah, talks yeah. a lot about the the issues with the with the mailing system that we have. And then you have uh, like this is a, it's a funny because the character's name is uh, Moist von Lipwick. It's I love it's it. Just, it's so, it's just so. Name. Horrible <laughs> <Yeah>. but great. <laughs> Horrible but great, yeah. And he has a second a second book. Well, Terry Pratchett wrote a second book with this character that's yeah. called Making yeah. Money, which kind of like deals with I mean, the with the uh, idea of introducing paper money into a system. And he does it right. in such such an easy and accessible way and so funny that you start understanding those things. And the same that's thing with, with yeah. yeah. Uh, and the same thing with other ones that he has. Like uh, I grabbed a couple more um, snuff that kind of like deals with racism and slavery in a way, mm-hmm. uh, and also small gods. Small gods. It, I think it's a perfect example of how organized religion works. And right, you, yeah. You read it, and it's a, again fantasy. It's very accessible. Anyone would read it, and it just start, it makes you think. It starts like just. Um, Moving your your brain in a direction that that it might like just spark the curiosity on on learning something different. Yeah, like you said, it makes it more accessible, but it's also a way to be able to access, um, you know, history and historical events and you know different systems and ways of being for folks who actually would have never, you know, been interested in that sort of thing before. So it gives us actually a deeper understanding of our world, even though it may be set in a galaxy far, far away, (laughs) there are a lot of similarities. And then through that, we can understand, you know, how, what we did, how we can do better, how, you know, particular outcomes would be if we did X, Y, Z, you know, if we shot, (laughs) I don't know, laser beams at a Death Star or something. I don't know. Not that we have a Death Star, but that would be really cool if there was a Death Star. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) 
right? But I mean, and this is part of the thing that I love about using world building as retelling is because it's a way to actually, I think of it like, like Star Trek's holodeck. And this is how I wrote about it in my book. I really did a deep dive into using this world building as retelling. Um, and I interviewed some folks, but if you have fantasy is like a blank slate. It's like you you pretty much don't even have the rules that we would have here on earth. You know, there's so many things that you can do with it. Even if your world is set on earth and, but you create the world in your character's head, there, there's, there's nearly no limits. Yep. And what that is like to me is like Star Trek's holodeck. So what you can do is you can create this setting, you can create these scenarios, and then you can chuck your characters into them and see what's, what they do. So you can actually test your character's limits. And for some folks, actually using, you know, tabletop RPGs, role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, like um, Pathfinder, they were actually able to use that to be able to explore traumas in their own past, to be able to come up with a, a sort of a new perspective, right? It was cathartic for them. And one individual I interviewed, he actually... Um, he used Dungeons and Dragons as a way to explore gender and he's a trans man. So when he was playing in the 1990s, he was still, you know, the non-affirmed gender of female. So, but he actually explored what it was like to be male. And it was through Dungeons and Dragons that he was able to finally say, you know what, this is it. I'm, I am not a woman. I'm a man. And I think that's incredible that we can use these, the storytelling, these worlds as a way to explore possibilities. Mm -hmm. And that's the psychology part that I love about it. Yeah. That's my and, take. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I think it's a fascinating take, especially when we talk about games. Uh, I, I think the, th the difference between like you have a, you have a book that you're, you're reading, you get immersed with the characters, with the world, mm -hmm. but there's nothing you can do there when you're playing an RPG, yeah. um, especially like a tabletop RPG, you are, you're, you're telling the story together so anything yeah. can change you can your character would be whoever you want it to be so i yeah. think that's uh that's a really that's a really good way um, and i've been i mean i mentioned this before i've been playing uh ttrpgs for 30 years and it always been i i don't believe that me as a game master i don't believe my, i don't see myself as a storyteller because i do not control the story I mm -hmm. it's a story that we build together as players, game masters. It's more like mm -hmm. I I set the boundaries and I set the rules. It's more like a kind of like a, a rule maker or a, a rule enforcer, if you want. Yeah. Uh, then then storyteller. <laughs> a lot of people think about game mastering as a storytelling device, but honestly, the the story is each person's character, and we yeah. just do it together. And I think it's one of the cool things. And like stories like the one you just told, um, I think it's just adds a little more to the value of having all these alternatives that we can do. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And it's safe. It's a safe place to do it because, you know, particularly when it comes to exploring trauma, um, again, Star Trek's holodeck, if it becomes too dangerous, you can just hit reset. And the yeah. same thing goes with writing. You know, if you're working on a storyline and you're building this world and then all of a sudden for you or maybe for your character, it's just, I don't know about this. Like this, this feels a bit too much for me right now or whatever the case may be. You can hit reset. And that's what mm -hmm. I love about fantasy. Or you can change the world a little bit. Like you are, I say you are the author of the world, but you like you literally are. But I mean, author as in authorial, you have the authority over it, which, you know, for a lot of folks, 
particularly who've dealt with trauma or mental illness or both, um, having that control and both control and freedom is, I think, really healthy. I think it's really beneficial. And I think that there's a lot that we can do with that as writers. So yeah, that's, that's my TED Talks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because because in the end, like, like you said, I guess when you're writing your own world, and I think that's kind of like the difference between, because I was thinking about like reading a book and then playing a TTRPG, but there's like a third option, which is the one that we should be talking about which is writing it's writing <laughs> and you can decide anything you want now you become the storyteller because you control the story yeah. you control the world you make the rules you do everything that you want and you can explore even things that happened in the past will might happen in the future like all this dystopian um books and movies and tv shows that are happening like i think that's part of what makes us human like one of the things i like about like mm. dystopian worlds is I, I believe they're like a reflection of our fears, like our current fears, right? The dystopian worlds that we like. Like I think about cyberpunk. Cyberpunk was born mm-hmm. like when capitalism was growing, crime was growing, drugs were, were like becoming a big issue. And then you have this, yeah. right? Um, yeah. In the, right now we have like all this idea of like what's happening with AI. AI is taking over mm-hmm. our jobs, our world, all those things. <laughs> So oh, we think. <laughs> a, a, a lot of the dystopia that's going to be created right now will be related to those fears. So Yeah, I think- and I think too, like Emily St. John Mandela, you actually told me about her novel, um, Station, Station 11. 11. And it like, it, what, she wrote it before the pandemic, but now it's kind of like, oh, wait a second, you know? Yeah. Even though she wrote it before the pandemic, and it's, it was like a way bigger pandemic than the one we experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It it kind of builds in our fears, right? It's uh, like mm-hmm. we before that we might not even consider like a pandemic. Like you remember, like mm-hmm. Stephen King's uh, "The Stand," I believe it is "The Stand," which yeah. is like it's a mm-hmm. pandemic as well. And uh, and again, it's one of the fears that we have. Like something that we cannot control is going to come and destroy us. Yeah, but through that too, um, being able to explore those stories and to be able to write them ourselves, it's also a way to us to sort of um it's almost like a test situation a test scenario you know so emily st john mandel's station 11 versus stephen king's the stand they're different they're different stories they're different outcomes different characters but it's that the author's um sort of envisioning interpretation exploration of what could possibly happen right Mm -hmm. so i think that you know like and i actually read an article a while ago it was for research for my own book and why over the pandemic um apocalyptic dystopian and even pandemic literature novels were selling mm-hmm. like hotcakes they were people were watching them on tv yada yeah. yada yada and i mean i don't know if this is true but my kind of feeling is like we're going to this subconsciously to be able to see how what is actually going to happen because we need to know right we are a species humans we need yeah. to know what's going to happen we need explanations so I think for dystopian, apocalyptic, and that sort of thing, it's actually a way for us to be able to explore w- all these different scenarios. Okay, so this scenario could possibly happen. How would our world look like? You know, this scenario could happen. How would our world look like? Yada, yada, yada. And I think, yes, it plays on our fears, but maybe it also helps us feel a bit more in control. That is true. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I think one of the things I could that be we wrong. do, I, th- I don't know, at least for, 
from my from my point of view, you're right because that's one of the things that I do. Like if I don't know, I'm going yeah. to do research. Like like you yeah. said, like I remember when when the pandemic hit, like in the very beginning, I had the news on all day. Like I was working time. in and in, in yes. one monitor I was working, the other one I had the news. News. Like yeah. There, there was no music, no nothing. There was the news. I wanted to know what was happening. Yeah. And I, I wasn't the only one. Everybody was doing yeah. that. And I think it's because yeah. of that. But I think if you think about like something maybe not as tangible as, as the pandemic as it hit, mm-hmm. like even the fears that we have, um, it just they 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 become this dystopian worlds. Like the worlds that we yeah. see in, in dystopia are like either uh plagued by crime, um like mm-hmm. brutal capitalism. Um um, I'm thinking about like uh, uh, Brave New World, where you have a new yeah. caste system that is based on on intelligence or not on on skin or where you, where you were born or money. Um, you mm-hmm. think about like 1984, and you have uh, a, a world that is completely surveyed. Like you have all the surveillance and everything. Surveillance, so yeah. All those things that are, I mean, I think every day become a little more normal, but still, there are fears that mm-hmm. we have, and those books were like. Brave New World was like what thirty something, and nineteen eighty four was was written yeah. in eighteen fifty four, like after the war. Yeah. So. Yeah. And those things just become the the fear of the time. It just becomes the way we're writing right now. And I yeah, really like and that. I know that. Yeah, you have a particular love for dystopian sci fi and fantasy. Um, I don't know yeah, if you feel so, comfortable right now. To, like this is your thing, but you're actually writing a novel about this and i think like it's i've only read snippets of it and i'm just dying for you to actually like finish a draft that you would allow <laughs> me to read so yeah i can tell you i can tell you uh, i'm not gonna tell you about like the plot or anything because uh, i'm still working on it and um, i'm pretty excited with it but i can tell you a little bit about the world um the world that i'm building is not um it's not really like apocalyptic or anything like that like post-apocalyptic or anything like that it's more like a like I would, the way I think it is more like an evolved cyberpunk. Like uh, mm. I'm, I'm trying to think about the like the issues because I love cyberpunk. I grew up reading cyberpunk, like watching Blade Runner, The Matrix, like all those things that that I really like. And there, there are also many influences. Like for example, like Children of Men. It's a book that I have never read the book, but I love the movie. It's basically yeah. the if you if if you are listening and you haven't watched that movie, it's awesome. So, so good, watch it. it's so good, yeah. so good. Uh, but anyway, what I was thinking is uh, in the like the in the world that I have is uh, thinking about how the world will look in a hundred years or something yeah. is what I'm trying to do. So I know that the main issue right now is not drugs and violence and, and, and crime and, and all that, that it was in the cyberpunk from the eighties, but it mm-hmm. is global warming. We're facing global warming and it's something that is affecting everybody in the world. So even, even the way, the way I'm building the world, is it going to be like, what happens to like Florida or, mm-hmm. or Central America or the, the yeah. islands in the Caribbean? Are they going to exist in a hundred years, 200 years? in my world but that's kind of the idea like i do i do love i do love dystopian worlds i lo- honestly if there's just like a dystopian fantasy or sci-fi world just threw me in there and i'm gonna be yeah. super happy so <laughs> oscar loves that <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah i can and like even little, little things like um it kind of like 
portrays a little bit about her fears. Yeah, I mean, I have like, you know, some similar things I'm I'm working on or struggling or dying over (laughs) writing a novel right now (laughs) Um, in between editing the book that I've already got. Like, why not, right? Um, But I'm working on, it's not about the world, like what would the world look like, you know, when climate change takes over, when capitalism is just like has exploded, anything like that. I'm working on the inner world with a character who lives with trauma and resolved trauma and psychosis. So she actually, because of the trauma when she, that she experienced when she was a kid, her psyche fractured, which is actually a psych, it's like the psychological, um, I don't know, tool. I don't, I don't have the right word for it, but it's something that kids do, you know, um, they are able to compartmentalize certain traumatic moments or aspects of themselves into sort of like a magical creature or a magical moment or something like that they always put some this sort of like a magical spin on it so I wanted to play with that in that these different aspects of my character psyche have fractured into actual magical creatures but being able to do this in a way that is both believable in the fact that you know these creatures don't do they truly exist? Like we don't really know, or are they a figment of her imagination or, you know, but also keeping this thread that, you know, mental illness, um, that, that, that these characters actually represent mental illness is so difficult, you know? So I'm having, I have to do a ton of research. It's, you know, yeah. I write about mental illness all the time, but this is just like, I feel like I've taken on a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is one of the things that I love to do, you know, but this is all again about world building as retelling. It's finding yeah. a way to tell a story in a different way through fantasy that may maybe makes it more accessible to everyone. You know what I mean? Exploring. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I would love if, if you're listening to this and you, I'm talking to you listener, not you, KJ. <laughs> Uh, if if anyone here that is listening and is doing something like that, we would love to hear it. We would love yes. to like, yeah, let us know. We would love to to hear yeah. that because, again, this is our opinion. This is the way we deal with things. Uh, it's not the way, the only way. There's many many ways to do things. Yeah. So we were all we always love to hear those things. Absolutely, yeah. You can use our hashtag if you wanted to post something on Instagram. It's a hashtag WWWF. Our Instagram is at Why We Write Fantasy. Reach out to us via email. Our email is on our website, whywewritefantasy.com. Would love to hear from you. This is what we do as writers, and we need to build this community, get some ideas from each other, and get support from one another. I think it's the most important part of a writing community. I agree. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, at some point we're going to have an episode about writing groups and why they helped us. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's not today. <laughs> soon, uh, soon. I, soon, yeah, at some point. Uh, I think we're going to close the episode just by talking quickly yes. about the books that we're reading right now. So, Katie, why don't you start? What are you reading? Yes, yeah, so I'm reading, again, not fantasy, but Save the Cat writes a novel by Jessica Brody. I just started reading it. I'm on like page 23 and it's basically, it's another one of those, um, how to structure your novels. Like, uh, anyways, yeah, I, again, I'm only on page 23, so I don't know too much yet, (laughs) but so far I'm, I've got some tabs here. I think it's pretty useful. So we'll see. How about you, Oscar? Yeah. I read it. It's somewhere over there in one of those books and I think it's pretty good. It's, it helps, um, as you said, the structuring your thoughts. Yeah. Need structure. Uh, I'm reading. 
I'm reading. I'm not reading fantasy. I'm reading. Uh, well, I'm about to start reading sci-fi. I just finished uh, the Blade itself uh, that we talked about last week. This week, I'm starting with the uh, New Romancer by William Gibson. Um, this is the book that were the the Matrix was based on. So I'm very very excited to 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 get into this. Nice. So we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Oscar. And thank you, everyone, for listening. It has been a blast, as usual. Love speaking with you. Love hearing from all of you. And I guess we'll see you next time. We will. And don't forget to like and subscribe the video if you're watching on YouTube. And yes. to subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the show, if you do it on as a podcast. Again, thank you very all much, everybody. All the details. All the details. Chat soon. Bye. <laughs>